time change. All righty, I'd like to say good morning, everybody, and thank the Lord for everybody on this snowy morning. But hey, the Lord still is worthy to be praised this morning. So let's let the little ones go here. What you've got this morning, guys? Bless them, Lord. Amen. Good job. Amen.
Sunday school lesson this morning. So, if everybody will stand, please. We'll be dismissed in Sunday school for prayer. Let's ask our pastor to dismiss us, please. Lord, we thank you for another day. Yes. Thank you yes. for your many blessings, your love, and your mercy. And Lord, I pray that you help us to worship you in spirit and in truth today. Lord, that you would uh, uh, just freely have us to offer your praise yes, today. Lord. Lord, we ask that you bless every part of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's all get a songbook, fellowship. Page, brother. Start with 110, Heaven's Jubilee. 110 in the room book as we shake hands in fellowship. Amen. Sunlight morning, we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming after you will eat joys unto
sickness going around I tell you this old flu and different things still affecting everybody so we really need to pray that the Lord will keep us all healthy and fit and everything and uh, if everybody would remember uh, Melanie's uh, ex-sister-in-law her niece is down at the hospital with her day and night Uh, she had um, all kinds of different health problems start out and uh, it just keeps on progressing into worse uh, different case scenarios. So if everybody would remember her this morning, uh, let's continue to remember all of our lost loved ones this morning too. Uh, most of all, let's remember her and 
uh, Melanie's niece for their, their souls and salvation. Let's remember that. Uh, as well as all of our lost loved ones. All those that are in a backsliding condition, let's really pray for them this morning and remember them. So who else before we go to Lord in prayer? Amen. Let's remember that this morning. Anybody else before we go to Lord in prayer? Let's continue to remember this nation. Let's remember the leaders of our countries and and the leaders of foreign countries too. You know, really affects us in different ways right here in our country. Whenever uh, different leaders of different nations make uh, certain decisions and stuff, it still can affect us right here in this nation. Nation. So. Uh, let's pray for God's divine protection to be on our nation and abroad. And uh, let's pray for revival. You know, uh, all these different things we see, I've said it time and time again, you know, the different evil things that we see men and women doing is uh, is hearts without God. So uh, let's pray for revival this morning. Pray for our workplaces. Uh, let's continue to remember each other. Let's remember all the services that's going on around the world this morning. Uh, let's remember this service this morning. So anybody else before we go to Lord in prayer? Amen. Amen. Let's remember that this morning. Yes. Amen. Let's remember that. Amen. Anybody else before we go to Lord Prayer? Alrighty, any unspoken requests? God sees all these hands. More than welcome, come to the altar or pray at your seat. Let's take all these petitions to the Lord this morning. Lord, we thank you, dear Father. We thank you, we thank you for our pastor, Father. Just like in our house, in your house, in your house. Lord, we just prayer request, God. We pray, brother, it will be done. We be obedient today. Pray for our lost loved ones. Please help us up our lack of faith, Father. Pray for them. We can do all things. Pray for them this morning. Pray for them this morning. Pray for this service this morning, Lord. Oh, yeah. Be in the midst everything we say to you, God. Tithes and offerings, if we could have a couple ushers coming up. Amen. All righty, Brother Brian, if you would take us to the Lord in prayer.
be first with a song or a testimony this morning. Let's worship the Lord this morning, church. He is worthy. Amen. Bless you, sis. Yes. Yes. Amen. thank the Lord this morning, able to come in here and worship the Lord in a nice warm sanctuary. Uh, his blessings, I tell you, is just so amazing. And uh, I still stand in awe of all the blessings and the love and the, and, and the grace and the mercy of God, I tell you. Uh, you know, there's all different kinds of things we see upon this earth, but there's one thing that shines through time and time again is God's love and His grace and His mercy. And I thank Him for that this morning. You got one, Brother Michael? Bless him, Lord. Amen. I've done this one in a little while, but I was thinking about it when I couldn't sing very well, so I'm going to try to do this one. Amen. It's 181 in the Red Book. You can sing along with me.
you this morning. Bless you, sis. Come on up. Amen. Sister Gloria is such a blessing, I'll tell you. Amen. Come on up. testimonies. I'm going to call our pastor. All right, Brother Michael. Bless you, Brother. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to be in Psalm 57 this morning. Psalm 57. I think we're going down. 
talking about it, praying about it. I'm just glad uh, my voice is back to normal. Thank God for that. That was a rough, rough couple of days. It's hard to come in and not, not really singing was the hard part last weekend, and it's hard not to do that. Uh, but I'm glad that God, God's taking care of that, so we're thankful for it. So. We'll be in Psalm 57, thankful for the Word of God, thankful for its truth. Alright, let's read. Psalm 57 says this, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and shall save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions and I lie even among them uh, that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves, Selah. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, sultry and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be able to preach this morning. Help us to hear and respond. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch hearts. Whatever situations, Lord, that the lost would find salvation. Lord, the backslider would find healing. The discouraged uh, would find encouragement, Lord, and grace in you. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. So David had encountered difficulties as a young man. He is, uh, uh, when he was chosen to be king and anointed by Samuel, he was only 17 years old and he wouldn't take the throne for many years after that. Uh, remember King Saul was still the king above him. Uh, so as Saul's king, David then defeats Goliath. He gets married. Uh, he begins to receive the praises of the people. And the problem is he's getting more praise than King Saul and King Saul starts getting jealous uh, and starts uh, uh, the the good relationship they had starts to turn uh, and Saul starts to take his life several times. So David flees to Ahimelech the priest and uh, he leaves with Goliath's sword. Uh, And then of all places, he flees to Gath. That's Goliath's hometown. So he's he's the man that defeated Goliath, the champion. He's got Goliath's sword and he's going to walk into Goliath's hometown and find refuge. That was crazy. That wasn't something he thought of. Uh, So of course they they notice who he is. They arrest him. They're bringing him before the king uh, and he fakes like he's mad. So he starts drooling. He starts acting like a madman. And the king uh, says, get him out of my face, basically. Uh, And so he is able to escape with his life uh, from that 
horrible decision. But then the next thing that happens that leads up to this psalm is 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. I'll read it. It says this. David departed uh, from, therefore, uh, departed thence and escaped unto the cave of Dulam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither with him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were about 400 men. So David's on the run. He can't go back to the palace. That's where Saul's at and wants to kill him. He barely escaped his own house. Uh, They had it surrounded and everything, and he was able to escape. He couldn't go to his friend Jonathan uh, because they were watching out for that. They knew they were friends. He couldn't go to the house of the Lord. Uh, So here he is escaping to a cave, and he finds refuge here in this cave of Dulam, and then people begin to come. See, first it's his brethren, it's his father's house, it's his family that comes first. But then you see everyone else that comes. A whole bunch of people that are in distress. That means their minds are paining them. They're uh, they're in deep distress, they're in anguish in their mind. So he's got a group of these people. Then he's got another group that comes into the cave with him that are in debt. And if you're in debt, you've got nothing to bring, right? You're, you owe, you don't have extra to bring. And then he's got the group that's discontented. This is the bitter group, the angry group. So he's got the ones that are distressed in their mind, the ones that owe a whole bunch of money, that have nothing to bring, and then he's got the angry and bitter people with him. What what a crowd, right? Well, in family, and you, you may take that one way or another, depending on how your relationship is with your family, but he's got these 400 with him, and it doesn't sound like a whole lot of encouragement, does it? It doesn't sound like it's a very, uh, 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 you know, a very great place to be. It would have been a rough place, because imagine this. What stories are they telling, right? What are they talking about? How bad it is, and how, how it's not looking good. And David, you'll be our leader and you're you're a wanted man too. So everything's looking bad. He's got these distressed, indebted, discontented people. The stories around the cave weren't very good. There would have been a lot of despair, a lot of frustration, and probably not much encouragement at all. That is what sets the scene for Psalm 57. See what it says at the top, maybe in your Bible, it says, David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. This is the cave we're talking about. Now, what's he say? What's this man in charge who's on the run for his own life, in charge of the 400 bitter and discontented and indebted people, what is he going to say? He's talking to the Lord. Verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for thy soul, my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. So here's the anointed king who's on the run for the real king from his life, leading this group of people, and the first thing he wants from the Lord is he wants mercy. He's asking twice, be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. Everything seems to be going wrong in David's life. Everything seems to be, you know, can't catch a break, whatever you want to call it. But all he says is, I just need mercy from the Lord. That's what I need. Nothing else matters. And in fact, the psalm before it, 56, look at verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighteth daily, oppresseth me. So he is saying, hey, uh, I am surrounded by enemies, but Lord, if you'd be merciful to me, they can't touch me. 
They can't get to me. They can't catch me. Uh, uh, None of my enemies can go uh, past the mercies of God. And I'm here to tell you the same thing is true for us today. What do we need today? We need the Lord's mercies. That's what we need. That's what he's starting off with. He's saying, hey, uh, these men are threatening physical violence. They're threatening today. Maybe that doesn't happen with us, but they're threatening our careers, threatening our livelihoods. You know, the, the psychologists, they're threatening to take away their licensing and certification because of their stance on the Bible uh, and homosexuality and things like that. They may threaten to take away your money, uh, but I'm telling you what, they cannot take away our salvation praise God it is settled in heaven they can't see they can't pluck us from the hand of Jesus Christ so no matter what happens we've got the mercy of God that we can always fall back on but look at what David says for my soul trusteth in thee he's talking about the Lord he's saying my soul is not trusting in the security and in the hidden spot in this cave my soul is not trusting in the 400 around me uh, my soul is not trusting anything else I am putting my trust in the Lord and if we can get to this point where we're trusting in the Lord's mercy and trusting in the Lord himself we can never fail we can't I don't know if you heard this, but late last week, a bank failed. We haven't had that since 2008. That doesn't, that did, it's been a long time since that happened. People were getting worried. They started taking their money out of the bank, this certain bank, and they had a run on the bank. That's what they call it. Too many people are taking money out. And I, I don't know if you knew this, but the bank just doesn't just hold on all your money. They don't just sit it there. They've got to make money on your money to keep it going. So they lend it out. Uh, that interest for the loan helps to keep the bank going. So if everyone comes in to take their money out, it, it won't happen. The bank will fail. Okay? So that's what happened late last week to a bank. And now people are worried. Because we know that, uh, you may know this or not, but banks are insured up to 250000 So if you have less than that in your account, you're okay. So is anyone sweating in here? Just looking around, making sure everyone's okay, right? We're, we're good. Uh, you're totally insured then. There's no problem. Uh, your money is safe. The government backs that. But there are a whole lot of people at that bank that have more than that. And there are companies that were at that bank that had millions and hundreds of millions. And you know what? They're, they're worried right now because they might only get that quarter of a million back and that's it. They're worried. They trusted in that bank and now there's been a run on it and just in two days time, it's done. They're taking it over. The government is. It's done. And they don't know. Man, that's scary, isn't it? For those people, it's scary. But I'm telling you what, you put your trust in the Lord. You won't have to worry about a run on God's grace and His mercy. You won't have to worry about it uh, running out because there is enough. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. We've got plenty that we can tap into. It's an endless supply. And, and, and the biggest blessing is we don't have to worry about our government then protecting just in case God fails because He's never failing. Right? We put our trust in the Lord. He's got all the riches of heaven and earth at his disposal. And we can tap into it. Then David says this, Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. You know what he's saying? I'm going to stay. He's not even saying I'm going to stay in this cave. I'm going to trust in the shadow of your wings, Lord. 
Just like a bird, you know, that uh, uh, covering over the baby chicks when there's a, a danger coming, uh, you know, that the wings, that shadow, that protection, the Lord, uh, David saying, Lord, you have put your protection over me and I'm going to trust in that. Uh, that's going to be my refuge until the calamities are gone, until everyone that wants me dead is gone, until all the problems are gone. He said it may be in this cave, it may be somewhere else, but I am trusting in you, Lord, for the protection. That reminded me of a song that Brooke sings. I held on till the storm was over. That's what David's saying right here. I'm just going to hold on to you, Lord, until everything's done. Verse 2. I'll cry unto you. uh, I'll cry unto God most high. Unto God that performeth all things for me. And he's saying, hey, all I've got to do is cry out to the Lord. I cry out to God. I put my trust in Him. And I remember something that He is the one performing all things for me. I don't know if you realize this, but we serve a God who does what He says He'll do. Right? Uh, We have a God that fulfills promises. We have a God that will make good on everything. And that's what... See, David's praying to this God and he's not reminding God that He's going to fulfill every promise. He's reminding Himself. Sometimes we have to do that. As we're praying, we've got to remind ourselves, this is the God I'm praying to. It's not just any God. Verse 3, He shall send from heaven and shall save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah, God shall send forth His mercy and His truth. He's saying, hey, I'm praying to God. I'm trusting God. I'm putting my faith in God. I'm leaning in on the promises of God and I expect results from heaven. Right? When he says amen, he expects God to respond to take care of him. And God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God, when we pray, will really send things to us? He'll really send grace. He'll really send truth. He'll help us. Maybe he doesn't get us out of the trial immediately, but he will help us through it. I believe that, don't you? Have you been through a trial bad enough where you've, you've stopped turning to yourself? You've stopped turning to the bank account? You've stopped turning to the doctor or whatever else? And you just looked up and said, Lord, uh, I need you. Uh, I can, I'm trusting you. And if you don't send something, I'm done. But I know you will. And that's what happens. He's just a prayer away. Mercy and truth. That's what he's saying. But maybe you're in a trial right now. How's your prayer life been? Have you been like David? Have you been trusting him? Verse 4, keep going. My soul is among lions. I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears, are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. He's saying, I'm surrounded by enemies. They're like lions. He's running from the king of Israel and all the king's soldiers and everything else at his disposal. This big old force, this big army uh, compared to David and his 400 that they're not even fighters. They're just grumblers and, and angry and everything else. And you think about that lion. You've been to the zoo before. You don't have to get anywhere near where the lion's at. You hear it roar throughout the entire place, don't you? Same thing out in the wild. Isn't that what the devil does? He's nowhere even near, yet he wants to roar. Why? To scare. Right? To put fear 
in us. And that roar carries long distances and spreads fear. That's what the devil wants to do. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeing whom he may devour. He wants us done. Our spiritual problems are real, aren't they? Our enemy is unseen, but we can hear the roar. We can feel the effects. We can see the work that's going on, the spiritual wickedness in high places. And David had a very real uh, fear of getting caught. But look at verse 5. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Even though there's a lion roaring down here, even though he's seeking to devour us down here, there's a devil that seems to be ruling and reigning uh, without restraint. We can look up and know that we've got a Savior. We've got Jesus Christ. He's still on the throne. He's still at the right hand. He can still, just as much in Job's day, as he can restrict the devil, he can restrict the devil today. So the devil is only operating on what he's allowed to do, by the way, uh, what God's allowed him to do. And I'm telling you, he sees us. Jesus sees us. He sees his children. He can protect us from all enemies. And he does day in and day out. But see what happens. You start to see this. Look at verse 6. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They've digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. Notice the back and forth. Do you see this? Verse 3. Right? He's talking about the problem. An enemy that wants to swallow me up, but the help is coming from heaven. Verse 4, I'm surrounded by lions and men that want to kill me. Verse 5, God's exalted in heaven. Verse 6, they're setting traps for me, but they're going to fall in the traps himself. You see what David's doing? He's saying, here's my problem, but here's God. Here's my problem, but here's God. Here's my problem, but here's God. That's what he's doing over and over again. And I I wish I could tell you that the the very first time uh, I felt the enemy, the trial, the, the doubt or whatever, I just looked to God and that was it. But I'd be lying. What happens? We get a little peace from God. We get some uh, We get some peace from God's word. We latch onto a promise. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We hear another roar. We get another bad report, right? Something bad happens. And we're reminded again of the problem. We're reminded of the, of the despair. David's reminded that he's in the cave. He's hearing grumbling from another of the 400, right? And he's reminded in the bad spot that he's in. But all he kept doing is he kept looking up. He said, but there's still a God. There's a God that anointed me. There's a God that's called me, a God that loves me, a God that saves me, a God that's kept me, a God that's with me to the end, a God that's preparing a place for me. We got to keep reminding ourselves of that, just like David did. But then he gets to verse seven, and I think verse seven is my favorite. By the time he gets here, he says this phrase twice. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. He's saying my heart is fixed. That word fixed means it's settled. It's firm. It's stable. It's unmovable. Uh, and he is saying my heart is fixed not on the problem, but my heart is fixed on my God. Right? My heart is fixed on God. And I think his entire attitude uh, in the midst of this trial uh, uh, is is right around this verse right here that my heart is fixed because he's already saying hey my heart's fixed that God 
God hears my prayers. You couldn't have convinced. I don't care how many hundreds of grumblers and angry people around David would say, why are you wasting time praying to your God? Why don't we think about a plan, uh, you know, to go attack Saul or something like that? And he'd say, whoa, 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 my heart is fixed. My God hears my prayers. And then maybe another one saying, hey, you know, the enemy's pretty big. I can hear the roar of the lion. Maybe we can hear marching nearby. They're still trying to find us, figure out which cave we're in. Uh, we might as well give up and surrender. And maybe they'll give it. And it, David's saying, now, wait a second. My heart is fixed. God's called me. He's kept me. He's going to be my refuge until the calamity's over. And you see that over and over again. But it made me wonder, oh, this is great for David, right? This is great for David's life and David in the cave and everything else. What about us? What about us? We are living in a world. I don't know if you figured this out. We are living in a world that is so unsettled. Right? This world is fixed on nothing. They don't, they're not consistent on anything. They don't believe the same thing. They're changing their minds on everything. And the Bible says in James 1.8, a double man is unstable in all his ways. Well, what's a, what's a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? What about a double-minded society? Filled with double-minded men in leadership. It's so unstable, isn't it? In everything. But guess what? We don't have to follow that boat of instability. We don't have to let every wind and doctrine, every idea, every moral uh, thing that comes along, every political correct thing, we don't have to follow each and every one of those. And thank God, we're not having meeting after meeting deciding whether we're going to choose the Bible or choose what this world believes. There are denominations out there that used to be in the name of Jesus Christ that are doing that. They're holding meetings, deciding what are we going to do with this sin or that sin. I'm here to tell you, my heart is fixed. I don't know about your heart. My heart's fixed. My heart's fixed on the Bible. I believe this is God's holy word. I believe that it's entirely accurate. Every page, every word, every letter. There's no contradictions. I'll tell you where the contradiction is. It's in us sometimes. We're reading it. I don't understand it. That's not his fault. That's my fault. I just need to go to the altar or go to the altar and finisher of my faith. My heart is fixed. I believe that I'm saved by Jesus Christ. I'm not saved by works. I'm not saved by church members. I'm not saved by anything. My heart is fixed. Is your heart fixed in that? Or or are you just going to go walk in some other doctrine or something else? Somebody comes along and says, well, uh, yeah, Jesus is good, but you got to do some works too. Not to stay saved, not to be saved. That's not what the Bible says. I'll tell you what else my heart is fixed. Uh, My heart is fixed uh, that this life, when it's over, I'm not paying for any sins. He's already paid for them. When this life is over, I'm going to open my eyes in glory and see my Savior and I'm going to worship Him on His throne. My heart is fixed with that. And then one day, my heart is fixed. I'm going to stand before Him. We talked about it last week. I'm going to give an account for everything that I've done in this life after I'm saved. My heart is fixed. Uh, that he will see and he said he would record everything that I did by faith everything that I've done for his will and for his glory he said he would record it and he said he would reward it I believe that today my heart's fixed that's why I'm not doing it for men right not doing it for myself I'm trying to do it for him I'll tell you what else I don't care If they come in and say, you can't believe this way anymore, my heart's fixed. Right? I'm not changing. I'm not changing. 
You say, well, Mike, that sounds like, you know, kind of a set in the ways old person. Will you call it whatever you want? I don't care. I'll be okay setting my ways if it's set in the truth. And guess what? If I find out something that I've taught and preached for a long time is wrong, I tell you what, I'll humble myself enough to say that I'm wrong. Right? I won't just, uh, uh, I won't just be stubborn to be stubborn. I, I want to be stubborn in the truth. It'd be fixed. That's what he's saying. I don't want to be double-minded. I don't want to be unstable. I don't want to try to figure out what this world wants and what this world doesn't when they can't figure it out themselves. Our hearts need to be fixed. God's bigger than our problem. He hears our prayers. He is the source, the sole source of our mercy and grace and protection. And as you get to the rest of this psalm, he, uh, uh, our heart needs to be fixed that all worship belongs to God. That's what he's saying. Right? I'm here to tell you, if college is in your plans, your heart needs to be fixed before you go to college. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I can give you countless examples. Their hearts weren't fixed. And they, they heard a whole bunch of junk and they listened to it and they turned. And you're saying, well, Mike, I'm not going to college. Well, guess what? Your heart needs to be fixed before you go to the job site. Right. Amen? Amen? You're going to hear all kinds of nonsense. Your heart needs to be fixed before you get married. Yeah. Right? right? Amen. That spouse may try to turn you or maybe you think God's led you to do something and you, uh, you, find a, uh, you find the prettiest one or the best looking or whatever and you don't take into account spiritual things and the thing God may call you to do, you may not be able to do because your spouse is not with you in that. Your heart needs to be fixed. And I'll tell you what, it's got to be fixed before you're in the cave. Yeah. Amen? David didn't make this decision after he was in the cave. He made it before. His heart was fixed before. You know when his heart was fixed? I believe it when he was in the pasture field being a shepherd. Yeah. Right? Those long nights, those lonely times. What was he doing? I think he was talking to the Lord. Because yes, what do we see evidence of? He's still talking to the Lord. He's still trusting in the Lord. What do you do today? If you're in the cave... You're surrounded by despair, discouragement, indebtedness, discontentment, depression, everything else. What do you do? Look at verse 8. What's he say? Awake up, my glory. Awake, sultry in heart. I will. Uh, I myself will awake early. Then he goes on. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy uh, mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy uh, glory be above all the earth. Maybe you're saying, Mike, it's too late. I found myself in the cave. I wasn't ready for the cave. Uh, I don't know what to do. And you know what David's saying? Here's what you need to do spiritually. Wake up. Wake up and realize the cave is not the end it's temporary the trial's not the end it's temporary uh, whatever's going on uh, there we can look up to the Lord what can we do we can praise him and I, I heard it a long time ago and I like it praise him on credit even when it doesn't feel good even when it doesn't uh, uh, even when the, uh, everything's not going good you praise the Lord anyway and I guarantee it's worth it and the devil will get frustrated and those around you in the cave won't understand but I'll tell you what you and the Lord can find peace. 
peace. Amen. You and the Lord can find contentment when there's a bunch of discontented around you. You and the Lord can find mercy in the midst of all that. And then when you see how the Lord takes care of you in the trial, then you can be even more fixed and say, you know what? The Lord took care of me before. And although this is a different problem, this is a different uh, issue. I know he'll take care of me again. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's what David's saying. Just praise God in the storm. Praise God in the cave. Wake up. Because the devil wants you to get deep in that cave and think you're never coming out. Right? If you don't come out of the cave, it's your choice. Amen? We got a God that can bring you out. We got a God you can talk to. We got a God we can trust. And I'm telling you what, more than ever, we have got to fix our heart on the truth. We got to be fixed. We got to say what David said. My heart is fixed. And in order for your heart to be fixed, you know, I was just reading uh, the account in Exodus where, you know, Moses is is trying to get the Pharaoh to let the people go. And one of the things that's controversial is they say uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. They say that's controversial. Uh, Pharaoh never got a choice. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I try to simplify things in my head. I, I, you know, I know I've gone to a lot of college and done a lot of complex things, but my mind doesn't work that way. I have to simplify it down from my head. And when it says God hardened his heart, you know what I think of, Brother Eddie? I think of concrete, right? You make the form of what you want it to be. Right? You fill that, you, you pour that concrete in and it's pretty liquid, right? It flows right in there. Uh, you work it, you get it to the way you need it to be. You rake it, you fix any problems. You get it exactly how you want it. And then you walk away and what happens? It hardens. Yeah. It hardens in a different shape? No. It hardens in the form you left it in. Right? right? Yeah. What did God do to Pharaoh's heart? He hardened it in the place where it was. Pharaoh was not going to bow down to the God of Israel because he thought he was God. And all God did is say, you know what? I'm going to harden that heart right where it's at. You know what we need? Not the way Pharaoh did it. We need the opposite. We need to turn our heart toward the Lord and then harden it there. Not being unloving hardening, But we need to to be fixed. That's what he's saying. My heart is fixed. But in order for it to be fixed, I don't want it to be fixed the way Pharaoh's was fixed. You need to give your heart to Jesus Christ first. Amen. Amen. If you're lost in your sins, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And unfortunately, many people in this life, their heart has been hardened the the place where it's at. They don't want to hear about the Lord anymore later in life. I don't want that to be you. So if you, before you make your heart fixed, you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And He'll forgive you of your sins. And He'll give you a new heart and a new life. Then make it fixed. Right? Maybe you're saved today and you've been a little wishy-washy. Right? What's the big thing going on right now? The popular thing. You listen to these podcasts, these things on YouTube. I'm telling you what, a lot of it, you got to throw it away. The popular thing today is I'm deconstructing my faith. And all they're doing is they're taking the faith that was true and replacing it with something else they want. That's all it is. They're saying, well, we're getting back to the elemental thing. No, they're getting back to false doctrine is what they're getting at. But I'm here to tell you, we've got to be fixed in the truth. 
fixed in trusting God, fixed in where we're at, because this world is constantly shifting. Amen? Have you seen it? I've seen it. Every day they're changing their mind about things. Who's a boy? Who's a girl? What do we do? Right? Changing everything. What pronouns do we use? What do we say? What do we don't say? What's correct? What's not correct? I'm surprised we even have a comedian left. They can't make fun of anything anymore, right? Because they're changing their mind every day. This world's unstable, but we should not be. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Everyone to stand. We're going to open up the altar this morning. Is your heart fixed today? Whether you're in a trial or not, you need to take a stand for the truth and say, you know what, no matter what happens, right? We talked about that run on the bank, that Silicon Valley bank out there in California. That's scary for a bunch of companies. They're scared. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay people? What are we going to do? How much scarier is it for a person that dies without Jesus Christ and opens their eyes in hell? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Then slowly realizing that that's their home. There's no changing. That's why we preach Jesus Christ. That's why our heart is fixed on the truth. I know it's not popular, but we're going to preach the truth. And as best as we can, we're going to live the truth, right? As Brooke sings, we're going to open up the altar. Will you come? Is there something you need to pray for? Maybe somebody you need to pray for. Maybe yourself. Maybe you're saying, Mike, I'm kind of wavering right now on a certain issue concerning the Lord. I'm kind of shifting. Let's get fixed in the truth. Let's get fixed. Maybe you're lost today. You've never come to Jesus Christ. You need to come. You need to come. I know there are some that heard the gospel over and over and over again. And you're saying, well, I'll just get another chance. Maybe a better, more convenient time. I've said it many times. These roads are dangerous. Right? You go around that S-curve. There's been many times a car has gone across into the other side and they've hit head on. Didn't even see it coming. Mike, I don't like the doom and gloom. I'm telling you what, there's no more doom and gloom than hell. We're trying to get you to make a decision before that. And if you're saved today, man, we need to tell people about Jesus Christ. And we need to live it. And in the midst of the trial, we need to trust Him, praise Him, pray to Him, rely on Him, and keep our hearts fixed on Him. He will see us through. He will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You today uh, for this day. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your blessings. Lord, I ask that You'd watch over us as we go home. Lord, we thank You for all things. Lord, I ask that You would uh, uh, just keep us, bring us back tonight if it's Your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. You could be seated real quick.